What's up, everybody? Welcome to Philosophy. I am Senior Director Max Lyles at the Counseling Center. Um, got a couple guests here with me today. We're going to talk about a pretty unique program that is a uh, historical staple of the Counseling Center, the Stepping Stones program. I am joined by current chairman of the board, former CEO Ed Hughes. Ed, welcome. Good morning. And current director of the Stepping Stones program, uh, Stephanie Miller. Good morning. That's uh, the married name. I'm still getting used to it. So if I call you Stephanie Thompson, everybody just bear with me. We're doing our best, right? Um, So one of the first things I always like to do is just uh, qualify you guys as the experts. And both of you uh, know Stepping Stones very well. So uh, Stephanie, ladies first, uh, give us a little like introduction, what you do and uh, what you've done and how you got here in front of the camera. So um, I'm the program director. I, am, I oversee the clinical operations of Stepping Stones for 2.5 and a 2.1 level of care. Mm-hmm. I oversee the housing of yep. Stepping Stones because it's a unique program. Sure. Um, I oversee the child care of Stepping Stones because, you know, we're doing it for the kids. We have hey, to have they daycare should do something for, for the, the kids. kids after all. You know what I mean? Um, I... I've been with the agency for 10 years. I celebrated 10 years in January. That's a um, decade, man. Yeah. So I got here by walking up um, to Stepping Stones. and Literally. 2008. Right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, been in recovery since then. Awesome. And then RSS staff, case management, uh, primary lead, God, coordinator. You've done, it all. done it all. Now I'm the director. Yeah. You going to talk about school a little bit or whatever? Oh, I always like to, I always like to highlight people's credentials. You know, so. so I just graduated with a BSW from Liberty University in December. Shout out to all the social workers that are watching us out there. Yes, I hope you I see this. Have been accepted into University of Kentucky for my MSW Advanced Standing Program. I start that in August. Cats, cats, cats. Yes. You want to tell the story about how you got signed up for your bachelor's degree? Um, so my lovely, amazing supervisor, Amy Gregory. Um, decided to do everything except for fill up my FAFSA for me um, <laughs> because I was in that contemplation stage. I have okay. four kids at home. I wasn't 100% There's ready. There's no way I could do this. Ava, she saw my potential. And she said, no, you, know? you really should. You're going to do this. So awesome. she made sure I moved into that action stage of change. And then licensed with the Chemical Dependency Board yes, currently? Yes, I'm currently at LCDC 3 okay. and a pending exam for LSW. Yeah, man. Yes. Congratulations. Ultimate goal, ISWS. You'll get there. Yeah. You'll get there. It just takes time yes. and a little bit of suffering. Just you like recovery. I mean? Takes you know, time. It takes time. Yeah. yeah. And maybe some suffering. I don't know. Appreciate it. A lot it. of suffering. And, and, thanks, uh, and thanks for coming today. I really yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Ed? You may go all the way back, man. Whatever you want, whatever we could, we could, we can start as we can start at retirement and go up and talk about the board role, or we can we whatever you want to. Well, do, I'm man. a graduate of Ohio University and Western Kentucky University, and uh, I uh, spent four years in the military um, working as a counselor in a family education program, and then came to came back to Portsmouth, back to yeah, back to Portsmouth, and uh, from there. Worked my way from the Shawnee Mental Health Center to Children's Services to the Counseling Center in 1989. Okay. So, and at that point, Counseling Center would have been nine years old? About that. About that? Yeah. Yeah, they started off about 1980 with uh, one counselor and a part-time secretary. Yeah. Over on big Hutch- agency. Yeah. Over on Hutchins Street. And uh, Rembert Glass uh, was the... Uh, um, was the lead counselor and executive director at that time. Yeah. And uh, I got to know Rem 
And okay. that's how my introduction to the counseling center began. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then from there, after you came to the counseling center, your, your role there throughout. Yeah. I came to the counseling center in 89 as the executive director. Okay. And, uh, and we started building a program from there. I brought a couple of friends with me that mm -hmm. I had a lot of confidence in uh, sure. Rick Calvin and Sue Shaw. Um, and we had um, uh, another legend that uh, was there, Gary Logan, uh -huh. was uh, at the counseling center already. Yeah. And so from there, we started trying to uh, just build a program. And, yeah. And the rest is uh, a, uh, an amazing history. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, you know, from the – how many employees were there in 1989? I was number seven. <laughs> Employee number seven. So then today we're talking 500 employees. Yes, somewhere around that. Total three different uh, three different counties of operation. Mm -hmm. And uh, has doubled in size since my retirement. Wow. So I just had to get out of the way and let, <laughs> let everything go. And yeah. They started yeah. Uh, growing again. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I understand, man. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Tons of tons of like history and context there, and that's uh, some of the stuff we wanted to touch on. So. <clears throat> the stepping stones program and you hop in at any point in time and tell me if I'm like wrong or off base okay. as you're the pro. But what I know about the stepping stones program um, serves pregnant women and mothers with children up to 12 years old. Correct. Um, and that is in multiple levels of care provides safe and supportive housing, supervised housing 24 hours a day in some spots and then 24 hour around the clock support just kind of all the time yes. based on the special population that they've got. Uh, how did we get the age of 12? Where did that come from? You know, I have no idea. Uh, actually, uh, we were uh, in 1989 and 90, when I first came to the counseling center, the state was going through a reorganization. Sure. And they created the Ohio Department of Alcohol and Drug Addiction Services, yeah. which was a com combination of the Department of Health, alcohol money, and the Department of Mental Health's drug money. Sure. At, before that, those two pots of money were separate. So mm -hmm. they put those together, created a new department, and they hired um, a woman by the name of Lucille Fleming, who mm -hmm. came from Pennsylvania, who had an enormous history and a successful history in developing women's programming. Okay. So she came to Ohio as the first director, and we all trotted up to Columbus to hear her first presentation yeah. uh, and what her goals were for that department. And uh, she spent a lot of time talking about women's residential programming, yeah. which had, had it did exist in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. did not exist much in Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, and so she talked about the importance of women being able to uh, bring children, especially pregnant women, being able to come into treatment, yeah. having a safe environment to be able to uh, uh, have their child and be able to continue in treatment. So we were just listening to all of that. Yeah. And, um, and somewhere in there, you know, we thought, well, if we're going to have women bring their kids into care, we need to extend that age beyond yeah. just infants because that's sure. all that really existed in Ohio. Right. A couple of programs. Yeah. And, um, and somebody said 12 and we wrote it down on a there piece it of is, paper. Dude, and and it's still, it. still in existence today, right? It is. And what we see, uh, after the age of 12 is the kiddos start to get a little bit more mature. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, with that daycare is not so fun. I got you. But then they're going into junior high school. Yeah. Um, 
we TCC still offers counseling for children mm-hmm. over the age of 12. Yeah, um, absolutely. We just have to have that cut off at stepping stones at mm-hmm. 12 seems to be still yeah. a pretty good age. It's a uh, it's one of those like classic counseling center stories of like, well, we have to do something and we have to set a number. And it's yeah. like, well, we'll start at 12. And if that doesn't work, we'll work backwards. We'll go 11, 10, 9. But it's like, that's worked out. So we just continue. We've to had it. people from all over, actually a multi-state area, come to see Stepping Stone House because they could not understand how we serve kids yeah. Uh, yeah. that could walk. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and, uh, and, the, and the services that we had to provide. Yeah. Uh, you know, which would be child care and transportation. We had to have a relationship with the school district yeah. for the kids to go to school. Uh, Portsmouth City Schools never really balked at all right. in terms of our kids coming. Um, they, you know, we had to work with them in terms of understanding that our kids may not complete the school year or mm-hmm. may come in the middle of the school year. Yeah. But again, they accommodated our children very well. It was just one of those community uh, experiences that we had a number of times where, you know, Portsmouth or Scioto County embraced sure. what we were trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't know that it was a unique thing. Right. Until we talked to people outside the area that said, well, we can't find a school district that's willing to work with our kids wow. and we can't, we don't know how to provide childcare. And yeah, it's like, well, we didn't know any better. Sure. Yeah. We so we did. just tried, right? We just, we, just, we just try. Yeah. Yeah. So from the kind of to go back and forth before we get into sort of, how Stepping Stones came to be and what that process looked like. Why is Stepping Stones important for, you know, because it is like, you know, this this lady talking about at the state level, pregnant women accessing services, women with children being able to access services, like reducing those barriers. Why is that important for people, like in a right now kind of perspective? So the children need to recover right along with the mom. They mm-hmm. live the lifestyle of addiction right beside mom. Mom may not have had uh, a role model to show her how to parent. The best learning is hands-on. So we're allowing mom to have her child with her Mm -hmm. so they can learn how to take care of the child appropriately Mm -hmm. to not get a CPS case, um, to learn the skills that they need, daily living skills, how Mm -hmm. to pack a diaper bag to get ready for work. We want to set them up for success. And And under supervision, like to help them, right? Yes, because if we see that there is a concern, we are there on site 24-7 to be able to intervene. Um, We're mandated reporters. Like If we feel like that has to happen, then they're there under our supervision to be able to help them. Um, Our goal is not to do that, but we want to make sure that they're successful in the parenting and their kids recover right along with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's like at the end of the day, it's just like it's something that needs done. It's like they're, you know, like you talk about a vulnerable population, like a a female with children that needs access to services. It's like if if that doesn't like check the box of like, okay, well, those people get treatment. I don't don't really know what does, you know? Well, the... The issue that we were seeing is that when I came to the counseling center, 90% of our client population were male. Yeah. And, and that's uh, flip-flopped a couple times through history. Well, it, it, it flipped after Stepping Stone House yeah. uh, and after the outpatient and aftercare services started. Sure. But what we found was when we started looking into why is that the case is that first the first issue was stigma, mm. you know, that women were experiencing a level of stigma that was beyond even you know, men, sure. uh, oftentimes families even being rejecting of a, of a woman who, mm. who was experiencing alcoholism or drug addiction. Mm-hmm. But then the second barrier was what to do with the children. Yeah. Because more than half of the women that we were trying to serve did, were doing it as a single parent. Yeah. 
so the idea at that time, what ha was happening all over the state of Ohio, is if a woman came into treatment, first of all, she came into treatment very far progressed in her addiction mm -hmm. because to come into treatment, she would have to give up her children to child protective services, mm -hmm. which meant a whole process of trying to accommodate their requirements sure. and maybe or maybe not being able to get your children back in a timely way. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, the idea of kids being able to come into treatment with their mothers solved two of those problems, yeah. you know, for us. Uh, plus, in a rural area, outpatient services don't work very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody yeah. with, with, you know, anybody, but especially if they're dealing with children, oh, yeah. being able to come to outpatient services mm -hmm. on a regular basis just doesn't work. So housing was the other issue that was uh, high on the list. At, and housing solves like the transportation issue because they're here. It yes. solves the child care issue because the child's there. It checks yes. a lot of those other, other boxes. It solves the too. problem in terms of people getting health care. Yeah. It solves problems of the children attending school. Yeah. Yeah. So then talk about, so we've, we've heard about these women's programs in another state. We've got this idea of how it might work. We're not scared to try. We know, we know we're not scared to try school and other things, you know, um, what was, so talk about that story of how stepping stones came to be, how the counseling center formed that program. Well, uh, the state, uh, under Lucille Fleming, the, one of the very first things they did is they set aside some of the funding that came to the Ohio Department of Alcohol and Drug Addiction Services. They call yeah. it Women's Set-Aside, and they created a grant program. Okay. And that grant program then went out as an RFP, a request for pro, you know, yeah. proposals, all across the state. And you know, we were interested sure. in that. Uh, the issue that we faced was is that Scioto County, total population of about 82,000, total ch child population of under about 20,000, mm -hmm. we were concerned that we didn't match up very well competitively. Yeah, because yeah, there's other places applying, Like right? Franklin County, Toledo, uh, you know, Cincinnati, Cleveland, these bigger agencies and were so all then from, up a, from that funding. And so then from a state perspective and a funding perspective, just like it's from the state's view, they want to put that money where it's going to have the broadest impact. Yeah, if they're going to fund, because it costs us, there's a certain base amount that it costs to create a residential program. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's the question they're asking is, is that we're going to spend this money to create a program and how many people are you going to serve? Right. And that's where we were concerned right. that, well, we're going, to, we're going to serve maybe 100 people a year, and these other programs are talking much bigger numbers. Sure. So at that point, uh, it was decided that we would approach other counties in our region. Uh -huh. So we created a 10-county regional program. Okay. So the actual name of the grant was the Multi-County uh, Regional women's residential program okay and it included 10 counties uh in our vicinity here uh -huh. and we went to each of those counties and talked to the agencies the outpatient agencies that that, that serve those counties sure talk to the courts talk to the children's service agencies and we got their support that was probably the hardest thing about the grant itself yeah, was bet. having to do face-to-face -face conversations in all those counties I bet. explain to them what we were doing and how they could benefit 
Mm -hmm. And so we put that proposal together, and at that point, we became competitive with all those other programs. It's so interesting in that comparison, too, just to talk about the idea of being able to create a program to impact a region, yes, like an, a, a rural region, because especially with like current climate of, you know, treatment within the city of Portsmouth and then in other cities too, Covington, Kentucky, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, with those sorts of narratives going on and the like, you know, the access to treatment talk and the number of treatment centers and that sort of like both sides of that coin in the back and forth. Resources aren't spread out evenly across the state for everybody right you can't just access everything you know uh and the the easiest way to like for me to explain it to a person that doesn't know anything about alcohol and drug treatment is there's not a starbucks in every town sometimes you have to go somewhere else to get your starbucks you know or you you know it's like part of you're going to this place is like oh you got a starbucks here we're going to get a starbucks you know something off the menu or on the menu maybe but well if there wasn't if this wasn't a regional program it none of it would exist right because there would not be you know enough to support that you know if you were just talking about Scioto county sure or adams county or lawrence mm-hmm. or any of these counties that we serve rural uh, appalachia yeah it would again you would be talking about small outpatient programs that would serve a very small number of people in terms of the continuum of care sure so we were able to uh, essentially through the regional concept be able to say we can have the same kind of program that would exist in a larger community yeah but we got to serve a geographic area. I got you. Not a not a county or a city incorporated or you know county line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same would hold true for a lot of businesses in our area. I mean, think of any, think of number of businesses and say, well, how how successful would this business be if they only serve people from Portsmouth? Yeah, sure. You know, or or just Scioto County. Right. Uh, and again, a lot of what we have locally is because we are able to attract people from a region yeah not some not some defined geographic area yeah yeah well and then you hear a lot of people talk about the region just southeastern ohio generally it's just kind of how it's summed up southeastern ohio and the bottom line would be is is that if i'm a parent i have a loved one that lives in another county and they need treatment Mm -hmm. uh i'm going to be pretty upset if somebody says well they're not from Scioto county sure yeah well and uh People locally do this all the time. I'm, I'm going to Columbus for my health care. I'm mm-hmm. going to Cincinnati for my health care. I'm going to Cleveland for my health care just because they feel like they're getting a better service at those places. It's where the specialists are. Right. The, yeah. right. Where the specialists Yeah, that's yeah. that's an anomaly that the specialists are here now yeah, and that other people are coming yeah, here. Or they're able to walk in one door and get all the services that yes. they need. They don't have to have that fragmented. Right. And that's what exists in a number of counties. Actually, the state of Ohio passed a law that every every alcohol, drug addiction, and mental health services board should follow the counseling center model. Yeah. And that means that within your community, you need to have every service within the continuum of care mm-hmm. that is necessary for that person. Either you provide that as an agency or you provide it through arrangement sure. with another, with another, agent. with another yeah. agency. Sure. Uh, and that came as a result of legislators looking at the TCC model yeah. uh, of having this comprehensive program. Sure. And uh, now I don't know if that ever, you know, has developed much around the rest of the state, but that right. exists as, yeah. as a law. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, to take a, a step over, right? So uh, we introduce you as Stephanie Miller, 
uh, program director, education credentials, uh, supervision of like so many things. She, you named off like 10 things that you're in, in charge of, supervisor or whatever. Uh, but that's not how you got introduced to Stepping Stones. You talked about showing up on the steps at the big house in 08, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about how this program exists now. Um, by the time you had uh, gotten to the point like where, okay, I need to do something, it's it's been going on a while. It formed in nine, mid-90s, 95? 92. 92, okay. So, you know, I'm a recovering addict. I, I grew up in the lifestyle of addiction because of my parents. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I knew. It's sure. what I followed. Mm -hmm. Um to alleviate mental health symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that at the time. Right. But here I had this little two-year-old that I was dragging around through my addiction. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, like, I always wanted to be a mom because my parents had abandoned me, but I wanted someone to love me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And she did, man. She loved me unconditionally with her little curly pigtails. Yeah. But I wasn't sure I loved her. I she you. was a nuisance. She got in the way of me getting drugs and living the lifestyle that I really wanted to live at that yeah. time. Um, Too much personal responsibility, you know? Yes. Yeah. Then I got into some criminal trouble mm -hmm. and um, my daughter's grandmother worked at Stepping Stones and was a house mom for 20 years at that point. House mom. And she called and got me put on the list. And two weeks later, they're like, hey, you got a bed with your daughter. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't know I wanted to parent her, but I surely wanted to make sure that I looked good and looked like a good parent. Um, so I rolled up to Stepping Stones and took her with me. And I wanted um, to make sure I looked like a parent and yes. that I looked good. Man, I love it, dude. After the withdrawals happened, I realized that I really did love this little girl. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to stay there. I tried to leave, but she was my driving force at that point. Yeah, I got you. And then I realized I wanted it for myself. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up go into transitional court ordered by the yeah. way not willingly um with my two-year-old who actually recovered right along with me yeah, she realized sure. mom was coming back when she went to daycare to pick her up every single day when wow. i went to work she knew i was coming back mm -hmm. i then um went to college and was about to graduate had a recovery baby mm -hmm. and i was like huh man i went to college for this so mm -hmm. why not go back where it all started right. and they hired me yeah so uh yeah you know I wanted to give back what was given to me and sure. parenting's hard in general, right? Add early recovery. Oh yeah. And I, I lived it. I sure. wanted to help these mommies know that there's hope and that they can do it the same as what I did and yeah. multiple other moms that are alumni of stepping stones have. And that's uh, so then like for you personally, um, and then for like all the other families that have been positively impacted by the stepping stones program. And it's a lot of them, yes. right? It's a lot of them what like what's the what's their world what your world what's that look like without stepping stones like what what happens to people's lives without stepping stones in existence well i wouldn't have been a mother anymore i would have lost her i had already had cps cases because of my drug addiction mm -hmm. um i was on that final straw so either my addiction would have done something horrible to her i would have lost all hope and cps would have taken her so she would mm -hmm. have been one of those other children in foster care again because my family were all using, they wouldn't have been able to care for her and take care of her. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't have been able to learn how to parent, cook, clean without that. I wouldn't have learned the importance of taking my daughter to a pediatrician versus urgent care ER. So then mm -hmm. I would have charged more money to the state of Ohio because yeah. I was living off of Medicaid. Mm -hmm. I no longer have to live off of Medicaid or food assistance because right. of that program. They taught yeah. me the skills I needed to even though I had a criminal background to gain employment and mm -hmm. become a productive member of society. Yeah. 
without stepping stones, that would never have been a thing. Yeah. And then you multiply that by you're up to how many clean drug-free babies at this point? Uh, we just had one born yesterday. So we're at 359. Dude, that's so crazy. Yes. 359. We didn't start tracking until 2009. Oh my so that's God. in just that little amount of time. <laughs> so that's in the 13 year period. <clears throat> yes. It's 359. Yes. You got any ballparks for the early days or anything? No, it started off kind of slow in okay. terms of the pregnant women. Uh, it took us a while to learn how to uh, engage uh, child protective services, pediatricians, yeah. how to get the word out yeah. to people. Uh, and uh, so it was probably a couple of years into the life of the okay. program that we started seeing pregnant women making their way yeah. you know, to our program. Gosh. Well, hey, congratulations on 359, man. That's, that's an yeah, amazing that's... No, Another thing about that number for people who are concerned about, you know, the cost of addiction and, and the like is yeah. that, uh, you know, any two or three of those babies per year uh, would have cost the system as much as all Stepping Stone House costs. Wow. Because there are, you know, million-dollar costs sometimes associated with babies that are sure. born affected by by their drug, you know, by yeah. drug addiction and times uh, three hundred fifty-nine. Times three hundred fifty-nine. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is. Uh, it is a tremendous cost save in and of itself, just in terms of babies mm -hmm. being born healthy and well and not needing, you know, NICU or not yeah. needing a, a additional. Uh, you know, care beyond, you know, beyond their birth, which is the vast majority of the babies that are born to women who are staying at Stepping Stone House. And a big shout out to to the people at um, the uh, SOMC, yeah. uh, because they have Absolutely. embraced our families, have have come and done education programs for, fam you know, for our families, uh, help women to understand what the whole birthing process was going to be like and what mm -hmm. was going to happen after and and uh, connections to pediatricians instead of urgent care. Yeah. So, you know, we've we've really experienced tremendous amount of cooperation. Again, another one of those examples of where this community historically has embraced right. uh, the services that we provide and families uh, have tremendously benefited from that. We have maternity work group. We meet uh, once a month with SOMC maternity and yeah. um, SOMC peds to collaborate services together and make sure that we are communicating across the board to, one, make our moms feel comfortable. They allow us to come tour the maternity mm -hmm. floor so our moms know what to expect when they're going in there. Right. And then um, that way they also feel like they're not being judged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. They're they're fearful of that judgment and the stigma that's been placed on them all these years. So mm -hmm. that kind of helps alleviate some stress and fears that mm -hmm. they have. Absolutely.